would be an ecumenical matter. Hello and welcome to Ecumenical Matters, the Father Ted podcast. Uh, it's a very big episode for us today because it's our very first live episode. Uh, and we're up to episode 22 of our podcast and we've got some returning visitors today. Uh, this is season three, episode six, Kicking Bishop Brennan Up the Arse. Uh, this is uh, to my right on the deck desk. Today is Vince. You've seen him in a few episodes if you've been listening to the podcast. Uh, how are you doing, Vince? Yeah, all right. You're the human thesaurus. Thesaurus. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're uh, Flimosh on Beam.pro, so tell us a bit about your wee gaming, your gaming stream. Just uh, live streaming games. We might go on for wrapping up a few that have uh, started but not finished. So not, not really much happening with it. You don't, you don't actually get to the end of the game? Yeah, it's a bit of a problem for me. It's like anything, I don't finish anything in my life. Well, just get to the end of the game, Vince. You sort it. You yeah. sort it. Uh, and to my left, uh, we have Poet Extraordinaire and the lead vocalist from Dirty Words, uh, Colin Hazard. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. But uh, but head's a bit wrecked from this, but uh, we'll see how we go. Sure, yeah. We'll start it now, so we'll finish. We, we may as well. We'll not, we'll not pull it in, so we'll actually get to the end of it. And you've got big news this week, uh, from all the way from Finland. Yeah. I did. Uh, you did, yeah. Okay, I can see what's written there. <laughs> Would you like to break the news in to the, to the adorning crowd? I did. I uh, got engaged last week. Mm. And who's the lovely lady? What an absolute mug she is. <laughs> uh, she, she's from Finland, probably got engaged in Finland. Um, and I asked her mum and dad for permission, like a gentleman should. And now we're back here. And oh, fantastic, fantastic. It. So uh, we're all getting a big party down here, by then. Afterwards, yeah, but also buy me a drink afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and over on the left there is Graham. Graham's a DJ and musician, so say hello, Graham. Hello. And uh, how has things been going on yourself? I didn't get engaged, but yeah, all good. So all good. Yeah. Uh, but you're getting, uh, getting up and running with uh, a new podcast coming up soon. Yes. Alan Partridge one. We'll have that new yeah. year, maybe. Yeah. Well, it won't be new year. It'll be like. Well, in the new year. In the new year, it'll be up. Lovely. Definitely by then. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, well, this is, as I said, this is our first live episode. We're here as part of Culture Night Belfast. Uh, say hello, everyone, from the crowd. Hey. Hey. Big, big drinks, specs, and arses from everyone. Come on. Girls. <laughs> uh, girls. Uh, and we're in the Fenderesky Gallery, so uh, you might notice some of the beautiful art around the walls, uh, and that'll be on display later on this evening as well. Uh, but there Sorry, is. I should, should say, James, the, Fender, the gallery told us that you could actually take one of these home with you if you want, so <laughs> feel free just to take a like, souvenir. One for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> one for everybody in the audience. <laughs> Uh, that is not an official policy of the Ecumenical Matters podcast. Free uh, <laughs> gift. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there is a few uh, few notes in the parish bulletin this week. Uh, we did mention a few weeks ago that uh, the Todd Unctuous actor, Jared McSorley, had been arrested. And Oh, sorry, I'll rephrase that. He had been put under, uh, had an under arrest warrant uh, because he had broken some plant pots. Uh, so it was a crazy uh, story. But he has now paid his debt to society. He broke two plant pots uh, and in Donegal, but now he's had to pay the ultimate price, 40 euros. <laughs> that was the extent of his fines. We've paid it now, so he's a free man again. So he's uh, Todd Unctuous is out to roam the streets again. So, uh, what do you think of that? It was a bit of a very, very Father Ted esque episode almost. You could nearly write that into a Father Ted show, couldn't you? How did he break it? Well, uh, we don't know. Details are sketchy. Some of the specifics. Yeah, and, and from what I can gather, it might be a bit sketchy in his head too. Cause <laughs> well, it just sounds to me, from what I can gather from the news reports, is that he might just went on the terror when he was pissed. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're not concerned, I don't think they suffered. So. Well, exactly. I mean, I think he did. He put the plant into another pot, nah. I believe. So he, he made sure he got his priorities right when it came to maintaining the uh, integrity of the plants. Well, you have to have proper etiquette when you're destroying stuff. So. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sign of the times. What is this world coming to? A man can't go into a garden centre and wreck some plant pots. It wasn't actually a garden centre. It was outside a bank, apparently. It was an, uh, an Ulster Bank in Billy Oh, well, that explains it. Yeah. If it was Ulster Bank, definitely I'd be smashing stuff. Well, yeah, exactly. Maybe we should get on board with him. He's uh, still got, you know, the fight the power uh, fight the power mindset that we need to get on board with. What do you reckon? Well, I used to work for Ulster Bank, so I'm going to say no comment. Yeah. On that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're free now. You're free to speak. You know, you're, you're, you've got, uh, you've broken free of those capitalist chains. You're never really free. You're never really free. You might go back. Well, Graham Linehan has a new sitcom out uh, called Motherland. Have any of you watched this? No. No. No, you haven't? Well, I have. Uh, it's written with his wife, Helen, uh, Holly Walsh, who I'd never heard of, but has written quite a few uh, recent sitcoms, and also a uh, sort of uh, superstar of recent sitcoms, Sharon Horgan. So the four of them have written a pilot episode, and it's actually brilliant. Uh, I didn't know what to make of it, because 
it's about it's about motherhood, which obviously I don't have kids, so I didn't think I would get much out of it. Plus, but you're not a mother. Well, you, you could never be one. I know father. that's hard for you to deal you're with, but you're a father. I said, well, I'm not a parent. So <laughs> no, <I'm> not. <laughs> uh, but I didn't think I would get much out of it. But it was it was genuinely hilarious. Like it was. Um, you know, it was really daring, it was really really well written, really tightly written, uh, brilliantly acted. And uh, it starred, it featured Philomena Kunk from the Charlie Burger. Amazing. Yeah, so she, she, she was fantastic in it as well. Uh, so I would highly recommend that. So it's just one episode out, and it's on iPlayer at the minute, so I would highly recommend that to all, uh, all and sundry. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll get right into it then, uh, into the episode, and we'll dive right in. And this is the second part of a two-parter episode, and it's the first time that Father Ted has done this, so it was obviously a big deal for them at the time. Um, and it, would, it hadn't really been done by sitcoms much, uh, you know, as a, as a rule, like, in, especially not in Britain, you know, to be continued. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, they, you'd have them in dramas, you'd have them in, you know, soap operas maybe, well, you'd have cliffhangers at the end of do, 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 do. Continue. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Yeah, the cliffhanger. Uh, so at the end of the previous episode, uh, there was well, there was quite a big, quite a lot of happening. So why don't we roll the clip at zero 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 zero, Vince, and see how we go. Oh, by the way, I'll actually just put a wee caveat on this. Uh, this uh, whole podcast and this whole event has got a lot of craggy island production values. You'll have to excuse some of the, uh, you know, some of the. Some of the little bugs like E4 in the corner and that sort of thing. But just hope everyone's reassured that Celebrity Big Brother will be on one day from when this was pirated <laughs> off the internet. And this is very much a, you know, a lesson learned in anti-piracy. So uh, right. go on when you're ready, Vince. So yes, so Ted lost a football match, the over 75's All Priests uh, indoor football, uh, against his his mighty enemy, Dick Byrne from Rugged Island. Did you, uh, did you ever watch that episode recently? Yesterday. Yesterday, fantastic. <laughs> it, was, uh, it wasn't the greatest episode in the world, I have to say, and we did bring that up on the podcast last week. Um, but it's set up, it was mostly to purpose up it was set up this episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, so it was, it's time to set up this episode, so we had the, the football happening, and we've got the drums going on outside, so this is culture night, everyone. <laughs> it's like Edinburgh Festival, just all microcosm into one little day for Belfast, uh, and the sun is shining, and we're here in you know, culture night when the, during the middle of the day, but never mind. Uh, yeah, so they, they played the football match, and it turned out that Ted cheated with his fake hands. Fake arms. His fake arms. It's not surprising in the slightest little that he cheated. Well, exactly, it's, I mean, Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's either going past or Jack's just woken up and he, he's just, he needs to get his first drink. Oh, look at that spiky. <laughs> and it is coming up, oh, look, beautifully it's coming up on the uh, waveform, so it'll drown us all out on the podcast too. And yeah, it's uh, turning down now, so. Yeah, brilliant. See, I thought we would have trouble with drums going past in July when we're recording about fast. I didn't think, you know, by September we'd still be having that issue, but there we go. Uh, but yeah, so Ted cheated. He, he managed to install, he's using fake arms and controlling Jack with a wheelchair, using a remote control wheelchair. Uh, something which, you know, should have gone into mass production by this point, I would have thought. <laughs> remote control wheelchairs? Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, why not? Why not remote control everything? Indeed, that's a, I think that's a whole other podcast, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a very Ted thing to do. It's like a very convoluted sort of plan, just to do something very simple over something very stupid. Well, exactly, exactly. I mean, we've seen, we've seen this side of Ted before in the Lent episode, when he said, I'm not, Lent's not about, you know, sacrificing for our Lord, it's about beating, beating Dick Byrne and giving things up conversa- conversation. Yeah. So when it comes to an actual competition, like a over 75 football competition, he's going to go all out. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to go proper Lance Armstrong on this, like. There's <laughs> <laughs> no stone going to go unturned, like. Uh, but, so we just watched the clip there, uh, previously on Father Ted. It was very, like, well, this is what I picked up from it, Cops. Do you remember that show? Yeah. The, uh, well, it, it never really, it, it didn't really happen over here, did it? It was a very American thing. I think it was on Sky, like, about five in the afternoon or something. Right, right, and, well, I, I can imagine the sort of general 
gist of it like, but was it entertaining to watch? <laughs> it was like one of those things that you can't turn it off because it numbs your head. So it's just like you just sort of melt into the sofa and just yeah. But that it was actually what it was more like. I thought it was NYPD Blue because it started yeah. with the ah okay like shaky yes. cam and everything. Yeah. And ah, so that would actually make a lot more sense. And it, it used to do previously on NYPD Blue. Yeah. Ah, yes, that does actually make a lot more sense. Well, I, I was going to say that Andy DeEmini, who is the director, he's been he's not been the director for the first two series. He's just came over in uh, series three, uh, so he's taken over from uh, Declan Lowney, and. Uh, until I found that out, I didn't really sort of notice any visual differences in the show. But now that I found it out, there is there is sort of something slightly different on series three. You know, um, for example, I don't think you would have saw that sort of the sort of shaky cam uh, element to it. It was Declan Lowney, or you know, the funeral home in the previous episode looked very sterile, didn't it? Yeah. I think if Declan Lowney had it been on, it would have been a bit more rubby or something, or you know. Just a bit more shit, a bit more Craggy yeah. Island, if you want. <laughs> just like these production values, uh, or you know, the caves in the caves episode, they looked very much like this is a studio setup. Yeah, it was very obvious. Yeah, sure, when I was on that episode, we were saying we found it. I think it's Graham directed the what did he do the exterior shots, the location shots, and yeah. then that other guy whose name I've forgotten already. He did all the studio based stuff. That's right. Yeah. So he was. Yeah, so when they're in the sort of the house and the parochial house and everything, it was him doing the directing. Yeah. That's right, actually. Uh, but yeah, so the, so that was the previously on Father Ted. So it used it used the same clips, but they it seemed like they were acted a bit more. If you know what I mean, they were a bit more amateur drama ish, as in like, oh, no, those are fake arms because they obviously. I always thought that was like the worst bit of acting. I don't know if it was intentional, but just the delivery of that line is the the worst thing about the entire. About the show. Well, that whole thing seems intentional. It seems like they just went like you're gonna have discovered like you know, the biggest drama on Craggy Island ever. Milk it for all it's worth, and then he delivers that line. It's terrible. And but I think it's intentionally done that way. But, well, yes, I, I do. If you hear people, you know, quote that. Oh, it's like it is intentional. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. people quote it, and they quote it in the way he said it. Uh, and I do think, well, it's Jason Byrne who's since gone on to a sort of successful comedy career. Uh, but he was a bit of an unknown back what? then, ripping off other comedians' jokes. Wow, that's a bit harsh, Vince. I don't know. Uh, he's, he's notorious for it. Is he? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's really bad. He ripped off an entire sketch from like Lee Evans and all. Did he? Oh, yeah. Really bad. I hate them all. Well, see, there's this thing about ripping off an idea and then. Oh, no, he just, took it like word for word. Well, he actually just took the script and put it in. Pretty much, yeah. He took the same actions and everything that Lee does on stage. Uh, not that I've defended Lee Evans, I think he's a terrible comedian as well. No, Lee Evans is good. He's, yeah, he's yeah. got his own style, he's got his own voice. It's very repetitive. But. Yeah, Jason Byrne. Yeah, exactly. But it's not the point. The point is, Jason Byrne ripped it off an entire like section of his jokes, and he's ripped off other comedians' jokes. I just can't remember any off the top of my head, but he has done other ones as well. Okay, so Jason Byrne allegedly rips people off. <laughs> not, not allegedly. He hundred percent does. Yeah. <laughs> we have to say it on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. allegedly. <laughs> we are live, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, we're on Facebook Live. Everyone, so say hello to the crowd on the internet. Uh, is there any comments coming in from there on the front row? You can see. Who joined? Uh, Ryan James McGuire. Hi, Who would have thought someone from Limerick would become Bishop? Oh, well, there you go. Who would have thought somebody from Limerick would become Bishop? Of course, I think he's referring to Len, uh, who, who will, of course, become uh, coming up later in the episode. We'll introduce him in a few minutes. But hello, Ryan, how are you? Uh, but yeah, so it goes on then. Uh, Ted is obviously very anxious about the fact that he, basically after he had cheated, he found out he cheated, uh, did give him a proper, a proper, uh, you know, a proper forfeit. He has to kick Bishop Brennan up the arse. So that's where they left it in the previous episode, and now it's playing on his mind. I love the fact that anytime he's mentioning that he has to do this, he says the entire line, I have to kick Bishop Brennan up the arse. It's not just, I have to kick him, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have to I have do to, this. Or I have to do sense. something terrible. It's always, I have to kick Bishop Brennan up the arse, and everybody says the entire line. Well, it is a very stark statement. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, you have, to, you have to say it. It's like when you, you have to declare what's happening when when you have something that grievous uh, coming up in your, you know, in your mental state. I mean, if you just, if you just sort of dismissed it, you just oh, I have, to, I have to give that bishop a kick in. No, but it's it's not, it doesn't have the same impact, does it? No, it's just, I just find it funny that he just repeats it every, every time he has to mention it. Well, I, it is, yes, it is. Every time I have to kick Bishop Brennan up the arse. Yeah. But it's all right, though, according to Mrs. Doyle, because she thinks he's going he's gonna <laughs> to like having a good, kick up, a good hard kick up the arse. <laughs> do, you think, do you think she's right, Colin? I think some people do need a good kick up the arse. Maybe this podcast is finished with you, Gillen. 
kicked up the arse live on Periscope. Live, live, oh, yeah. not on Periscope, oh, Facebook Live. Oh, excuse me, sorry. Yeah, get your brands right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's uh, if there's enough will from the audience. Maybe we'll have to we'll have to do that. Can I do it to a vote? We could put it to a vote. Yeah. So, uh, hands up who wants to see me get kicked up the arse live on Facebook Live. Everyone misses. <laughs> <laughs> form, form a queue. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets a go. It's a very vocal minority that doesn't want me. Come on, speak up, guys. Come on. <laughs> uh, do you know the impressive thing, actually, about um, the up the arse thing? I did some research on this episode. Somebody researched it. Um, <laughs> and on Wikipedia, it's, it must be catered for the American audience because it says Father Ted has to kick Bishop Brennan on the buttocks. On the buttocks, and right. And it says brackets. <laughs> Up the arse. Those <laughs> <laughs> brackets. In case there's any sort of uh, you know confusion, confusion. some yeah. lost in translation. What's an arse? <laughs> an arse. What's that? But <laughs> uh, Dougal comes in with mad news. Clint Eastwood has been arrested for a crime he didn't commit. Oh no! Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favourite line in the entire episode. That's your line of the show, is it? Well, there is one other line that's my favourite, but that genuinely got the biggest laugh out of me in the whole episode. Well, it, it's it's great. Uh, like Clint Eastwood is obviously a legendary actor yeah. and director, and uh, even like. Even since then, he's gone on to make such brilliant films like Million Dollar Baby, Gran Torino, Invictus, uh, Flags of Our Fathers, Iwo Jima, uh, Mystic River. There's like dozens, and this is a man who was given the uh, Lifetime Achievement Oscar before he made Unforgiven. Well, before he died? Well, well before he died, he's still, he's still with us, I believe, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He sort of lose count this year because so many people are turning up the tips. Like, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, he's brilliant. Uh, but. Yeah, Dougal got a bit good as wires crossed. What film do you reckon he was chatting about? Uh, I can't actually think of one that's camping. I thought it might have been. Oh, well, he did commit his crime in Alcatraz, didn't he? Oh, did he? Oh. I, I thought it might have been one of the Dirty Harry's. I watched it about 15 years ago. Oh dear. Yeah, Ted needs to fix his collar. Yeah. Come on, Ted, you haven't been defrocked yet. Just because that Molly's been resting in your account. Does everyone get our disguises, by the way? We got Jack over here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's already had like two whiskeys today, so um, he's definitely here from Jack of the day. Uh, I'm supposed to be the Dougal. Leave me alone, Ted. Leave me alone. But I say you do a good Dougal impression. This is Doyle. And then Mrs. Doyle over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we purchased a wing special, and uh, our uh, Tom. Tom, no expense spared on the, yeah. on the outfit. Yeah, I like the Craig Allen production values. As long as you keep them off. Yeah. <laughs> so he went for the back of your t-shirt as well. It did, yeah. So he's also. E-R-J, if you read it backwards from the inside. They can't what? see that. Turn around. But, yeah, well, it's gone through that. Oh, it's actually gone. Oh, oh it's turn, actually turned around. It went the whole way through. Okay, yeah, yeah that's what you meant inside. Well, this is not interesting for the audience, but yeah, it's, 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 it's visual. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a big slash so far. So it's, uh, it's a good gag for an audio podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, they should be watching live on yeah, Facebook Live. Uh, this is actually done with a Parker pen I stole from Osterbank. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. Fight the power, man. Fight the power. Bringing the system down from inside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Dick, uh, because it's such a, a forfeit, Dick, uh, Ted has to take it really seriously uh, because he has made poor old Dick uh, do horrible things like say bollocks very loud in front of our President Mary Robinson. <laughs> uh, that made me think of, do you remember that uh, Dick and Dom? Do you have a, yeah. a wee show? Uh, Taking a dom in the bungalow? In the, in the bungalow, yeah, and they had this thing. Boogers. In the bungalow, they're not gangster. Uh, bogies. Bogies? bogies. Yeah, yes, sorry, yes, bogies. I was, so a, I was a big fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they go into a place like an art gallery, for example, and uh, a private place, and one of them, so say there's two of them in the room, and one of them would go, uh, bogey. And the other one would have to say bogey a bit louder, and each one would have to go louder than the last one. And it, 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 with hilarious results, they did it in a lecture theatre in a university once, which was probably the funniest one. They were they're dispersed at two parts of the universe or two parts of the lecture theatre, saying that one up on each other and uh, yeah, bogey right. So everyone a big bogey for the art gallery. <laughs> bogey. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, any arts or any audience participation we can get. Uh, but yeah, so he's been. As you mentioned, uh, yeah, it's a very bitter rivalry they have, Dick and Ted. I'm surprised he didn't actually appear in this episode. Either. That's what I was thinking too. You think he would? He would want to see the actual event occur. Yeah. But they never set a date on it. Uh, sure. On the actual, you know, arse uh, kicking Bishop Bennett up the arse to give it its full title. Yeah, we thought maybe they would even have him like make a phone call to him and you know show him in his house and things like that. And see how he's enjoying winding him up with it. Yeah. Well, I suppose he wanted the photograph. He, he insisted the photographic evidence. Uh, so <laughs> he, yeah. <laughs> but he's he's made sure he's. 
he's pushed things along a bit by telling Bishop Brennan that there's a there's an apparition of Bishop Brennan himself in the skirting board of the parochial house. Uh, so Bishop Brennan tearing down the highway to, to Craggy Island to try and see this, uh, which made me think of the images of Jesus that show up everywhere uh, these days, like on sides of toast and stuff. <laughs> Inside tomatoes on this one. Inside of tomato. Inside of tomato. Yeah. Is that personal experience? Just, yeah, there was somebody cutting the tomato and the seeds kind of made a big Jesus shape. You well, sound, yeah. you sound sort of disappointed by that. Well, see, it, when it's it, like it, you almost wanted it to happen by the sound of you. I know, yeah, I just thought it could have been better. <laughs> We're all reaching out for, for our saviour or higher power to you know, communicate with us. And, you know, back in the day, he was doing it properly. He was showing up on a Turin shroud. And it was a proper, you know, image of his face. Now he's on a piece of toast. Yeah, now he's just on a piece of toast, which you either cut up or spread margarine over. Like, <laughs> why, why didn't he go on, on uh, Periscope or, or, or Facebook Live? You know, give us give us something easy we can access, like something accessible. <laughs> Dialing it in, basically, is what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Turned off. Yeah, he, he needs to up his game. He needs to, you know, get with the program. I think. Uh, but we'll go to we'll go to the next clip, uh, and it's there's been a, there's been another apparition has been going around the island. The mystery of the mud angel. As Dougal said it, it's at four thirteen. I got it. Ready? Yeah. And if you heard about the mystery of the mud angel, the mystery of the mud angel. Oh, it's weird. Every week in the mud outside the ladies' pub, it's the perfect outline of a man. They call it the mud angel. So, yeah, so the, there's the apparition in the mud outside of Mary's pub every week. Uh, probably was Jack. <laughs> but it's good to know he's got his own local. Like, it's, uh, he's not just drinking the house on his own. Also, <laughs> what amazes me more is that he actually is allowed to go out on his own. Usually they're very strict on Jack being allowed to roam. Yeah, so they have his, they have his sort of designated times where he can go on his walks and, uh, yes. yeah, and on his wheelchair and stuff. One episode where they're hunting him down with like a, a tranquilizer gun. Yes, on. exactly. <laughs> they, they bring the local guard Yeah. yeah. The, the local police force in just to and start using the, you know, the, the top of the line equipment they have. Isn't that when he's naked as well, running through the forest? Or is that a different episode? No. That is, well, has he ever been naked? Episode, is it? Different mm-hmm. scene. It's, it's the same, yeah, same episode, different scene, I think, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he, he roams free. As many wants, except when he's going to old areas and he, he just falls straight down. I mean, do you reckon it's one of those situations where he's he's out the door and just uh, straight down timber side onto his <laughs> face? <laughs> Is that well from my forensic uh, forensic study of the model of his face? Yeah, that's what I would gather from it. You know, watching too much CSI, I think. But uh, <laughs> we've all done it. No, I we definitely haven't. <clears throat> no, okay. Okay. Yeah. Just speak just for yourself, me, maybe. Yeah. But no, I, I, I've had the timber moment, definitely. Yeah. I was, uh, I was so. One time I was standing on a crowded lift and I actually fell asleep standing up. And then when the lift <laughs> evacuated, I just went straight down. <laughs> uh, yeah, bad times, bad times. Uh, uh, but yeah, so we got uh, Dougal who, who mentions uh, that he's. When, when Ted's anxious, he's keeping him up all night. And Dougal says, uh, he's trying to drown Dougal's asleep. And he says, oh, I don't know what happened. Uh, one minute I was drowsy and tired, then I can't remember anything. <laughs> Christopher Nolan took three hundred million dollars and took a three hundred million dollar movie to say the exact same thing in with Inception. He covered most of the same ground that Google did in those four lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, yeah, so it is keeping him up at night, and he stays up till morning. And uh, you know, did you ever have that when you have you know you got something something worrying you, and it, it does actually start you know playing on your mind, and you can't actually get to sleep, and you turn around and the sun's starting to come up, and you're like, oh Jesus, I've got work in the morning, and like about. 45 minutes or something. Yeah, happened to me this week. Really? Yeah. What, what happened? Uh, I was in schools this week teaching poetry to secondary school kids. Oh, lovely. Yeah. That was my first time doing it and that was freaking me out. And yeah. so you had to put like a workshop or something? or Yeah, doing workshops for high school boys. Uh, trying yeah. to teach them poetry. How'd that go? It actually went well in the end. Well, exactly. I was about to say the millennials are actually a bit more open-minded to that sort of thing than the, you know, the Gen Xers. They were a bit more, ugh, poetry, ugh. It's so lame. But then, you know, people, the new generations are a bit more... I think there's a bit of truth behind that comment. I think there is, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I was talking about kind of rap and wordplay and things like that, mm-hmm. rather than Chaucer and Shakespeare. And well, exactly, yeah. Like, Eminem probably opened that up to a lot of people. Certainly for me, anyway. It was my first sort of uh, introduction to the power of language, the power of words, and the power of 
wordplay to get messages across the, like the first question i got was some guy put his hand up he said sir sir do you like shakespeare I went, um yeah kind of is shakespeare a poet he says yes he says what's all that crap with that thou and thee and um all that kind of stuff boring mate isn't it <laughs> well um it's kind of uh, yeah well <laughs> you say this right but there is a there's a company i think uh, over in edinburgh well over the festival when i was there they were doing shakespeare in emojis uh or well publishing Shakespeare emojis. I don't know, I didn't actually get to see the shows. I wanted to see how they were actually going to put it onto stage. But uh, yeah, so language evolves. Uh, I think the kids are right. All that, all that really stuffy language is, it needs to be updated. It needs to be more, made more accessible to, to people to make it more you know, universal. Yeah, because the ideas of it are universal, so make the accessibility of it universal, I would say. Make poetry cool again, basically. Exactly, and that's where we have our Colin Hazard here to uh, with our dirty words. That's what I'm doing, 7 o'clock in the Sunflower Bar. Tonight? Yeah. Oh, lovely. Well, everyone get down to that if you can. No worry avoiding No Sorry? And no worry avoiding seven. <laughs> well, you'll be there and you'll be getting enlightened by the uh, Sunflower Bar and the poetry, the resident poet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, six, uh, um, but yeah, we have the introduction then to our bishop from, uh, from Limerick, who's... Um, as you say, it's hard to believe that a bishop from someone from Limerick can get to a bishop, and he seems to be a very powerful bishop because he does have the uh, the autonomy to be able to banish somebody to the horrible, horrible parishes like Rugged and Craggy Island. So let's see what happens when he uh, comes through the door. Hello. immediately see that Len is a fearsome character and one that they all feel that they need to uh, you know, show reverence to, apart from Dougal who just says, uh, <laughs> hello Len! <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's supposed to be odd for them because obviously Ted's got this playing on his mind and then uh, he's, trying to, he's trying to give this impression that you know, Craggy Island is it's not as bad as maybe they thought and uh, obviously Len, Len's not uh, you can't pull any punches with Len because he, he knows he can score exactly because he's the one who put them there. So, so Dougal uh, so he tried to he tried to convince him they're reading scripture. Dougal looks uh, Dougal actually did look reasonably intelligent with the glasses on, didn't he? I don't know if you should try it. Maybe I should try <laughs> it. It's, 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 we're gonna see what, let's see what it looks like. <laughs> Hello! Does <laughs> it work? Did you Ted's get Ted? No. <laughs> no. You have uh, very strong glasses. I generally couldn't see these breakfast. I, I couldn't even see Vincent as well. All right. What, what happened? Is there, is there a story behind the, the breaking of the glasses? Uh, no, not a funny one. I just, I just dropped them. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you were pan, like panning for gold in some uh, you know, godforsaken island or something. And if I don't was going to be asked that question, I would have made, written something and yeah, created well, a story. But no. It's all off the cuff here. It's all, you know, you have to roll punches like so. <laughs> but yeah, no, so do we were also introduced to uh, Father Jessup. Uh, we'll show a bit of him, a bit more of him in a bit. But he's uh, Ted described him as the most sarcastic priest in Ireland, uh, and his sarcasm, I thought, was a bit uh, well, not obvious. Obviously, is the wrong word, but it was wasn't quite as biting as you would hope from a Father Ted character. Did you think? It's a wee bit cocky. Yeah. Yeah, it was like so. It asked, uh, "Have you? Uh, did you come here on the on the new road? No, we went round by Southern Yemen." So. You know, the, I suppose we're trying to trying to get into that uh, sort of Chandler Bing thing that was happening in the '90s of just like the smartass remark, and Chandler Bing did have some clever ones. Mm. Uh, one of the springs that made it into mind was uh, somebody asked him, "Is he waiting for the toilet?" And he says, "No, it's just a daredevil game I play, where I stand here as long as I can until I bust." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this wasn't quite as quite as sharp. But I suppose maybe that's what they were playing against. They were sort of showing how, how you know. The, 
awkward that can be to sort of write or to sort of display on screen. What, what, what was Father Jessup doing? Was he like the Bishop Brennan's helper? Yeah, he's his assistant, yeah. So, yeah, he didn't seem to be that much assistant. Bishop Brennan didn't seem to like him that much. Well, he, he, Bishop uh, Brennan liked to uh, sort of fill him in and what, what the situation was. I think he liked, liked him as a sounding board more than anything. And anytime he made like a sarcastic remark, Bishop Brennan was sort of like, you know, laughing and giggling away with him. Yeah, he did. He, he did sort of give that <laughs> a sort of laugh that, you know, arrogant people have the tendency to do. Like, um, So, yeah, it was just, as a, as a guest priest, this wobbly table is probably destroying the microphone but uh, as a guest priest uh, he wasn't wasn't the strongest character I wouldn't have thought I thought that in the third series in general a lot of the kind of ancillary characters were pretty weak compared to the ones in series one and two yes there wasn't as many standard ones yeah yeah I mean I think by the third series they're kind of hitting you over the head with gimmicks quite a bit yes yeah yeah the kind of subtlety and wit is kind of starting to straight off a wee bit. Uh, well, the funny you said, uh, Turby, one of the earlier episodes, wasn't looking forward to season three. Now, there is some classics in series three, such as... My favourites in series three. Uh, the Milk Food, Speed 3. Well, that's my second favourite. What's, <laughs> what's, what's your first favourite then? Night of the Nearly Dead. Well, that's coming up next, so that'll yeah, be a great episode uh, with Owen McLeod. <laughs> and funny, he's not a priest. Uh, <coughs> sort of, he's, he's a character, uh, quite clearly based on Daniel O'Donnell. Yeah. Uh, no, so no, it's... He's fantastic. So he's for me. Exactly. So when they take when they take the shackles of the character being a priest off themselves, they are they do seem to have a bit more a bit more room to sort of uh, explore new ideas. I think. Uh, but sarcasm is the lowest form of wit. Discuss. Any no. is do any of a sarcastic form of wit? I think yeah, I would say you do, Vince. Mm, yeah, I have my moments of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, have you ever had a sharp line where everyone's you've had the room creased in laughter? Don't know. See, yeah, see, when you're just being sarcastic, you're not expecting a big laugh out loud laughter, are you? No, yeah, exactly. you're usually just trying to be a smarters. Exactly. And you usually look like a dick. So. Well, it, you can't come across like that, especially if it fails. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Sarcasm is a very, very risky form of wit, would you think? <laughs> <laughs> Hard to judge. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they need to, as, as we said, they need to take a picture of the, uh, of the kicking Bishop Brennan off the arse. Uh, and so they need to work it in. And their idea is to just go ahead with the action of kicking Bishop Brennan up the arse, uh, but they need to prove. So they have to disguise the fact that Dougal needs to take a photo. So he decides just to go around taking photos <laughs> of just random parts of the room. <laughs> where uh, We can actually put that on uh, 819. Yeah, so Dougal just went around just taking random pictures of uh, anything he could find, really. Uh, it could be argued that he was trying to be an amateur nature doc- documentarian. And instead of, you know, what they do in Spring Watch, which is go to the end of your garden and just see what's happening down there, he decided to put the camera down the back of the sofa and see what bugs were there. <laughs> you know, he, he might have had some brilliant photographs of spiders, even David Attenborough couldn't have gone. I love the camera, though, on that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. bit of a flash. Well, it's, it's strange because it's a different camera than they took to the, sh- to the caves. Which was uh, it was another handheld sort of uh, uh, you know consumer camera, but it had a massive optical zoom lens that went out about that far, like <laughs> you know about six inches out of the front of the camera. Whereas that's a bit more old school. So something must have happened on the caves. They lost the camera. I'm impressed with that level of detail you've got into on the cameras used in Father Tales. Oh well, yeah, well this is this is what the podcast is all about. I'm trying to find every little hole I can pick out of the show, see if it survives, and see if you know it still uh, it still emerges as the greatest sitcom of all time. It's doing pretty well so far, I have to say. And we're only about three episodes left, so yeah, I think I think we're doing all right. But yeah, let's well, see. I, I'm a bit of a camera nerd as well. I used I did like a foundation course as well back in the day, okay. where we're having only cameras and stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they're they're obviously extremely fearful of the fact that uh, the plan they've got plan coming up. But uh, so we'll go. Uh, they did try. They did try and go ahead with the the the, the kicking British Brent up the arse. So we'll queue that up now uh, and see what happened when they tried to do it. There it is, 
Uh, yeah, so so he's just about to. He's actually worked himself up. He's you know got got all the uh, got all the energy, and he's actually going. He's uh, he's investing himself into it, and he's actually taking his run off. And as soon as he does, thought he Jessup turns around as he's about to watch him. So he's he's obviously scuppered, and at that point it's too it's too late to actually pull out of it. So he has to take his own momentum straight out the window. Yeah, but why? <laughs> well, why not? I mean, they've been through that window quite a few times. In fact, that I this is upstairs, isn't that? Well, it's, it's a new feature in our window to the soul, so that's mm. the fourth time now he's gone through the window. Yeah. It's a shame that they don't like slapstick. It's not that, I just, I don't, well, yeah, yeah, a little bit. So in Forte, it seems a bit out of place sometimes, slapstick. Well, th- I think that one was earned because... Uh, it's usually fine if it's coming from, like, Jack. It's usually fine a bit of slapstick there, but just for, like, for no reason, basically, leap out the window. I know he was caught, but to me, that seemed a bit extreme to do. Well, no, like I said, I think Especially it was... Especially from a second floor. Which... Well, it's only, it was a bumpier landing than before, definitely. Especially mm-hmm. since he didn't have all his American football gear on, yeah. like the last time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, like I said, he pumped himself up. He'd already made his run-off. Mm-hmm. And now he can't actually pull himself out. So he has to sort of improvise. And what better way than to just uh, go head first through a window? Yeah. I mean, have another SU's gone head first through a window? Like, it's, just, it's just not something you do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but my dad one. has. Really? Well, me first, technically. Well, what happened? Do you know where there's that story like a pane of glass always has like a weak point in it and it doesn't really take an awful lot for the whole thing just to shatter? He was at some party or something and there was like a glass door, right. like full size big glass thing and he didn't notice it was there. <laughs> he right. thought it was just like an open thing to the outside and walked into it and his knee hit the, the pane of glass. And well, this was back in like maybe the seventies. Oh, okay. And so safety glass wasn't really a thing as much. Ooh. So it was just literally like big shards of glass just like falling around him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Yeah, I was pretty lucky it didn't just like hit me in the leg. Get right like through a bit major of glass hit you in the leg. Mm-hmm. You, like, Jeez, right, okay. Leave a mark anyway. But um, he was pretty lucky anyway. So. But he was, he was doing one of those, uh, taking your walks and then go straight into a glass window. Yeah, sort of. See, yeah. now, now they need reinforced, so you'll just have a comedy. Well, yeah, see, that's <laughs> happened to me. Because um, we have big patio doors in our house when we were growing up. And one summer it was open the entire day. And I was like, I'm going to go out on my bike. Like, I'm a child, obviously. And I right? got, got my helmet on. I was like, yes, right, going to go. It's going to be great. When I go on my bike, it's going to be fantastic. Bolting through the dining room, take a big leap to go out the patio doors. Somebody closed them. I just bounced off the door and went backwards and went on my back. <laughs> so it was just like, pfft, oh. Well, you seem to have quite a lot of head problems, Vince, because yeah. I just noticed today you had a 22 inch scar. 22 stitches or 22 stitch there. scar. Yeah. And there's four staples on top of it. There's a 22 inch scar. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty huge. Uh, so, does that make four a Four staples on the top. Dog bit through my lip. Vince, come on, be a bit more careful. You should almost go around and pop a wiggle. Can have stories then? Did it didn't happen though? Well, you still have the cotton wool stories. The, what? the cotton wool stories. Yeah. I don't know what he's on about. <laughs> I'm just kind of nodding in the green <laughs> at this point. <laughs> You're wrapped in cotton wool. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so Mrs. Do- uh, so Father, uh, or Bishop Brennan isn't too impressed by the ap- apparent apparition on a skirting board, which is clearly just a, a lot of woodworm uh, yeah. has gone into the skirting board. Uh, and uh, now that Ted has taken a, a flying leap out the window, he decides he's had enough and he needs to go because he's got, uh, he's got an audience with the Pope tomorrow. Which is not as quite as good as the audience of the Lily Savage, as uh, Jingo has just mentioned. Uh, but it's not, he's, he has to go to Rome tomorrow. Rome? He, he probably rolls his R's. Uh, that's he does it every time as well. Yes. Yeah. See, that's, that's a, uh, I think that's the actor who's mentioned before that he's uh, a BAFTA winning, or sorry, Olivia Award winning actor. So he's got, he's got the old acting chops and proper Shakespearean. <laughs> so it's not just R's that he says, it's R's. Rome. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Mrs. Doyle tells him they've taken the roads in. And when I first heard that, <laughs> I actually thought that was some sort of colloquialism, as in they've closed the roads. But no, they've actually taken the roads in yeah. and put them into storage in a warehouse. <laughs> it's a, a very novel solution to you know potential flooding. Very Craggy Island solution. Well, yeah, yeah. If they could actually enact that in some areas, probably would see it a lot bother, would you reckon? I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, I just like the fact that Bishop Brennan and Jessup just accept that as the only question. They're just like, all oh, right, pretty yeah, much. They're, a, they're annoyed about it, but they're just like, well, that just <laughs> happened. Yeah. 
but we'll just get on we'll just get out of here and go yeah. home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mrs Doyle can't quite get a handle on uh, uh, on uh, the sarcasm of uh, of Jessup 11 sorry Get uh, the sarcasm, so she's told do do the opposite of what uh, Father Jessup says, and there's another Simpsons did it, Simpsons did it. Uh, don't do what Bart does, <laughs> but uh, it was brilliant, brilliant comic timing uh, with when he's about to accept his cup of tea and just pulls it away in one one nice little movement, uh, which yeah, perfectly done, and it shows again like there's so many different types of humor, like it's not just it's not just the surrealism, it's not just the you know the, the you know the, the writing is not just the, the big massive characters it's the small little physical movements as well it's a it just shows you how many layers it has like uh, but yeah we go to uh, the 1251 where uh, Jack finally awakens and he's described as a Kraken Jack can get on the sarcasm boat as well, it seems. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jessup got away with uh, a bit of murder there almost because people, Jack has struck out of people for a lot, lot less. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but he, he, the Kraken Awakes, uh, as, uh, as Len says, is a quote from a Tennyson poem, I believe. Colin, can you expand on that a wee bit? There's so much written there, I would agree with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got that from IMDb, so I was hoping maybe you could uh, get a bit more uh, information. Do you know what's about Tennyson's poetry at all? Or? Uh, no. No? <laughs> that's, the, that's the short answer. <laughs> well, alright, that's fair enough, it's the... But uh, Jack? I'm aware of what a Kraken is, though. Well, what's Kraken, then? It's uh, like a like a octopus, big creature thing that lives in the water. Yes, it's a... Well, is it would in you the water? In the water. Yeah, he really explained that to me. In the ocean, it's okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> it attacks boats from the old days. Tennis wrote about it. And it was, it was supposed <laughs> to be like a giant squid. Like you just, it's what, when you had that image in your head of like a giant octopus taking over the side of the ship, was that what the Kraken was? Yeah, it was just like a legend that this, this creature lived in the water and attacked like uh, the old style boats that were, you know, the Viking boats and things like that. And yeah, well, there's. No reason to believe it didn't exist, is there? Like, there's nothing to disprove it. Uh, <laughs> I'll do some research for next week. And well, I mean, if we get to the bottom of it, so well, there we, we go. We next week, Colin's going to prove the Kraken exists. Excellent, excellent, Colin. Yeah, uh, I, I actually want samples. I want, I want at least <laughs> one leg of the. Is it an eight-legged creature? Or is it uh, <laughs> many more? We'll find out when you when you bring us back samples. Technically, it's arms. Oh well, there you go then. Shut my mouth. <laughs> But uh, Jack wakes up, first thing he says, Arse Biscuits. I'm pretty sure it's, I've seen that, that's the name of a band or something, isn't it? It's like a, a punk band or something, like uh, no. a punk band, no? Not one that I've ever heard of. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, bad research, James. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Ted again, he's been kept up at night, and he thinks, oh, well, maybe, uh, maybe if I do go through this and kick Bishop Ben up the arse, I'll have to take my punishment and put me to another parish, uh, which is where, you know, he's, um, it's where he came up with the vision of the 
the uh, the volcano tribes from the start of the episode. Uh, but he says it can't be too bad in another parish until he opens the Craggy Island Examiner, and the main headline <laughs> is two hundred priests fall to death in another parish. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he's getting from all sides. He just can't get the you know he's got this horrible horrible situation he has to deal with, and everywhere he looks, he's getting he's getting confirmation that he shouldn't actually go through with it. But once again, in, in the He-Man, uh, in the He-Man bread spread, Drogo comes up with another fantastic idea. He seems to get a lot of them when he's uh, lying in the He-Man bread spread with his Ireland uh, jersey on. So if you go to uh, 14 or 11. So yeah, so the idea he comes up with is to just go ahead with it and pretend like nothing happened. Which is, it's an idea that over the course of history has been put into practice quite a lot, I find. Really? Uh, well, yeah. If, uh, sometimes, you know, somebody in the office will come up with an idea that's just absolutely ridiculous. But because, you know, they've got a head strong enough just to go ahead with it, everyone just sort of has to catch up and then deal with the consequences after. And it's, yeah, it, 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 it just really annoys me that people, you know, just go ahead with a terrible idea and then uh, expect the rest of the world to catch up on it. But like this podcast? <laughs> well, indeed, yeah, indeed. <laughs> but we've, got, we've managed to grow our numbers, at least. Uh, okay. But Dugo, Ted says that uh, Dugo is exactly the most intelligent person in the world, and Dugo responds with, well, he's no Geoffrey Archer. Geoffrey uh, <laughs> Archer was a Tory politician uh, under the Thatcher government who sued the Guardian for libel, uh, but was later found to have lied in, that in court during that trial and sent to prison for perjury. He's also the author of a lot of uh, surprisingly popular political thrillers, for example, First Among Equals. Uh, and uh, I've, actually, uh, I've actually seen him in the flesh at one point when, an when I was uh, working at a charity event. Uh, in a prison? Not in a prison, no. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had served his time, he had paid his 40 euros. Uh, he, had, uh, <laughs> he was emceeing at a charity auction for Paul Newman, you know, uh, the actor Paul Newman. Mm. Uh, he's, he also has a children's charity where he educates children in sort of uh, developing, developing world, uh, and there was, a, there was a plethora of A-list celebrities, like Harrison Ford was there, mm -hmm. uh, Terry Gilliam was there, uh, Mel B was there, uh, the Strictly Come Dancing crew were there, uh, and up at the front, uh, emceeing it all was uh, Jeffrey Archer, and all he was doing all night was trying to get people to spend more money, and he was actually surprisingly good at it, or perhaps not surprising. <laughs> Really weird mix of people, though. Yeah, it you was, started right? out like really high, and then it just got lower and lower in quality. I should, I should have went the other way, should I? Yeah, it, should have, it would have sounded more impressive, probably. Okay, so I think the question everyone wants to know is, what were you doing there? Well, I was just, I was just <laughs> serving, uh, serving waitering. Oh, yeah. you're working there, guys. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but oh, sorry, yes, Van Morrison was there. I, I, we were there uh, very early in the in the afternoon, and we're never told what these things are. We're just told to show up at them. And uh, somebody was playing piano, doing the sound check, and I was, uh, all I heard was, you know, the first few bars of Madame George. And, oh, that's nice. Somebody's playing. Uh, somebody's playing Madame George there. And then, uh, then I heard Northern Irish accent. I thought, hang on. And I looked around the corner, and right enough, down on the piano was Van Van the Man himself, and he did a few numbers during the concert as well. So yeah. So go work in the catering industry, everyone. Get a free <laughs> Van Morrison concert. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Len would, uh, we get the impression that Len, or they come up with the idea that Len wouldn't believe that Ted would actually kick him. I think you mean Bishop Brennan, sorry, just to... Oh yes, yeah, yeah actually, don't come to Len, little prick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier, like, even though the whole episode is focused on Ted kicking Bishop Brennan up the arse, it seems to be quite a, a Dougal-focused episode. Dougal is the one who comes up with a brilliant plan. Yeah. He's also the one who ruins said brilliant plan in the end. And he also, to me, he's got the biggest laughs throughout the episode. Uh, I will... Okay, uh, what's, the, what's the biggest laughs? Did you well, for me, it's just like, as we one-off lines and stuff you know about uh, Clint Eastwood at the start and then whenever he says he's got an audience of the Pope and he's like oh I was really savage things like that right yeah, yeah. yeah. to me he always had the, the main jokes okay well you said that Dougal ruins the plan uh, I'm gonna leave it until we get to it but yeah. I don't think he did I think Ted ruined it but well yeah but 
the goal in his you know, stupidity. Well, he was just following the orders that Ted had given him. Yeah. Uh, but well, before we get to that, they decide to, to rejig the idea. They've got one last chance now that, uh, now that uh, Bishop Brennan's still in the parish. Uh, so if we go to 1523, uh, and uh, they decide to go again, and they're a bit, they're a bit more prepared. They, they come up with a better plan this time. So instead of having Jessup there to, to ruin everything, they get Jessup uh, taken away, and we'll see how that goes. Wait a minute, that's not yours. That belongs to Seeing that and actually them going through with it and having the same, like, almost the same expression on your face as uh, as Len had. I think I missed it first time around because I was laughing so much. At yeah. The, with the watercolor picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but generally, it was doubled over, tears in my eyes. I just, I just thought it was so funny for some reason. Uh, yeah, no, it is. It's a, it's a brilliant little uh, little apparition they've come up with there. Well, Dougal just sort of scrawl on the wall, but it's very good. Uh, <laughs> it is smiley face. Yeah. Very crude watercolor, as uh, as Len pointed out. I like they utilized the now broken window as well. Uh, yes, and they uh, didn't bring Dougal in the room and have him climb up ladders for some reason. Probably <laughs> Bishop Brennan didn't notice him. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, well Dougal on the ladder, uh, it says again they had planned it better, so they had put uh, Dougal into position as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he, had, he was also honing his paparazzi skills because we've seen in the Pat Mustard episode that he's got a, a great uh, mic setup for uh, you know distance listening. Now he's got a great uh, paparazzi setup with his cameras. <laughs> or the alternative is he's also auditioning for American teen sitcoms like Clarissa Explains It All or Sister Sister when they all come through the window on the ladder. Do you remember that? Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek, yeah. Mm-hmm. Saved by the bell. Yeah, was, it, was this a thing in America where kids just went to each other's houses with ladders and just went... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't they think they took ladders with them. I'm pretty sure they just used the ladders that were at the house. Yeah, but they never thought of going through the front door. Like, it's <laughs> well, they were usually sneaking in at night. Like it's shot. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus. This, is <laughs> <laughs> this is true, this is true. Uh, but yeah, Len's face. Uh, that, that, there's no emoji for that, is there? There's no. this, it's like the greatest, greatest look of shock that sort of sticks with him for quite some time. Uh, but Ted plays it absolutely perfectly. As, as you say, it just plays along as if nothing's happened. Just, uh, oh, you're, you're right. That is a bit of a watercolour. But anyway, on your way, and he's already got the taxi phone and everything, so yeah. you can get him out of the building and just, just have to not, not have to deal with it at all. Like that. It's probably one of the few times in like a sitcom or anything where they come up with a plan, but they don't show you the whole build-up to the plan or anything. There's just literally cuts to it, and you know, even Jessup, they didn't even discuss disposing of him. They just did it. Well, exactly. It's uh, it's it is it's just one of the keys of writing that you show don't tell, as yeah. in you don't write down. And this is what we're going to do, and then we're going to do this, and then Jack's going to get him and stick him in a yeah. in a hamper. Uh, they'll actually just show you it happening. So, but the fact that they. Have, that everyone in position, you know, that it wasn't just let's all get in the room and see what happens. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was uh, obviously a much better, uh, uh, much better executed plan. And, and Dougal obviously has a photo to prove it, so he's, he's, uh, his photography skills are increasing. Uh, but then Mrs. Uh, Doyle finds uh, Jessup in the hamper after uh, after Ted has after Ted has uh, got rid of. Her. Actually, sorry, after Jack has got rid of him. Thank <laughs> you. 
obviously, yeah, uh, obviously, Jess was stuck in there for quite some time. It'd be horrible to think what's actually going to happen to him now if he's uh, in the hamper. Yeah, I'd be worried about what he's going to catch. Well, yeah, actually, like, the thought of that, like, Jack is a constant drinker, so he has constantly that beer sweat that you have the next morning, like, just constantly, and now he's in a hamper full of that. Well, it's absolutely disgusting. I'm not worried about the, the beer sweat. I mean, look at his underwear, it's all yellow stains. Well, that as well, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously not a nice place to be. Yeah. But, uh, that's what you get for being sarcastic, I suppose. <laughs> Nobody knows when to take you seriously. Yeah, uh, yeah it is. Uh, but Ted, Ted's a bit stupidistic when he thinks that everything's he's actually got away with it. Uh, and he has a few he has a few drinks, and it's the first time we've actually seen him drunk. Uh, so at, uh, we'll have a look at uh, what happens soon. Seen Ted uh, drunk, so he's just as scary when he's drunk as Jack can be. Yeah, Diggle looks a bit uh, sheepish there. He's not sure what. <laughs> well, exactly. And he reminds you of um, who was the uh, the recovering alcoholic? Something like oh, ages ago. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I made the BBC. Yeah, on the verge of becoming that. Well, possibly he seems to have a better handle on his yeah. drinking. I mean, we have seen him with drinks in his hands before, so he's, he clearly can't hold his drink. It's just maybe. You know, he's got the fire in his belly today because he's, you know, he's, he's kicked Bishop Bennett up the arse. It's not every day you get away with that. <laughs> so, but he, he demands 200 copies for all his friends. Do you reckon Ted has 200 friends? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, all, that's all the people he slagged off when he was getting the golden shower. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and we've no, we've no, uh, we've no uh, Larry Duff anymore because we haven't seen him in quite some time, actually. So we can only appear in Series 3 at all? Or that's what I'm starting to notice. Appear? He yeah. hasn't actually appeared at all in Series um, 3. Um, Tom hasn't appeared. Well, Tom hasn't appeared since the, well, until our podcast. But he hasn't appeared since the rabbits, since he was about to uh, take care of the rabbits yeah, in Al Pacino style. Yeah. Airplane episode is that not in season three? That was the end of season two. Oh, right. And that we think that's well, we can only surmise that the donkeys that trampled him yeah. actually finally killed him. killed him. Yeah. After all those, after all those mobile phone calls. <laughs> so poor old Larry. So he didn't get to get one of his photographs of kicking Bishop Ben up the arse. But he does. He does demand to be blown up into a 10 by 10. Now, you said that it was Dougal's fault that uh, that uh, Ted got ruined. Yeah. Uh, I actually might be back on board with you because he said 10 by 10, which would be, a, usually you'd imagine it would be 10 inches by 10 inches. Yeah. Instead of 10 feet by 10 feet, which is... <laughs> well, it's like, it's Dougal's typical thing of he ruins the plan by accident. He doesn't realise he's going to be causing trouble by doing it. Like, uh, again, I was referring back to the episode and I can't remember the whole thing, but he's like, Ted's trying to tell a lie and Dougal keeps accidentally ruining the lies on yes, him. Yes, yeah. Over and over. It's the same thing here. Well, this, this time Ted actually doesn't tell lies. He's actually yeah, he's honest. actually honest with it for once. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Father, uh, or sorry, Bishop Brennan's still still in shock all the way to Rome. So we'll have a look at what happens when he, when he gets to Rome and he finally he, he meets the, the pontiff. which is surely the height of his career as, uh, as the, uh, the bishop all the way from Limerick uh, but he he takes it uh, this is when he finally dawns on him that Ted actually did kick him off the arse <laughs> it uh, reminded me of the scene of Mr Bean when Mr Bean uh, met the Queen oh, do you remember that? Yeah. And, uh, oh with the zipper gets stuck uh, well he's he feels like he has to do a, a curtsy or a bow and he ends up headbutting her yeah. <laughs> uh, so t- uh, Bishop Brennan just shoves uh, a pontiff out of the way uh, but yes it's do you ever get that when you're not quite sure something's happened and then it's, it just really slowly dawns on you at the worst possible moment yeah uh, you know you're, sometimes I've gotten on buses and thinking god I'm definitely in the wrong bus and then you, you pass you pass somewhere in North London you think I'm actually going the wrong direction and your whole <laughs> night is ruined and it takes you about three hours to get back home but he, he does get in the bus all the way back to all the way back to Ireland, 
and he comes flying out of the flying out of the car, looking like some sort of vampire or something. With the <laughs> I think that is one of the greatest like images of any TV show ever. Well, uh, we'll stick it up then so everyone can see it on uh, twenty minutes. Uh, it, it might actually just just play it. Yeah. Probably it. Uh, almost like you know did you ever see in the films when batman's like coming down from the sky <laughs> to beat up a criminal you yeah. know it's it's like that it looks like that Just well like I mean, the cape billowing out behind him well exactly exactly i mean you've woken up some uh, you know and you, i'm sure you've we've all had these mornings it's like oh shit what did i do last night and then <laughs> to have it yeah. suddenly in your face in such a in such a visceral way as uh, with a wingspan of like <laughs> 10 feet of uh, bishop brennan flying through the flying through the air to you uh, <laughs> He does actually manage to follow through with Dougal's plan, so he, he sticks to it and he tries to convince them. Well, sure, this is a stupid idea. I would never kick you up the arse. I, I think you're great. His actual words. Uh, so, so Bishop Benham actually buys this until, of course, uh, as he said, Dougal comes in with the uh, with his printout. But uh, it was good. I kicked it, Brendan. Give him some. Yeah, him. <laughs> got him airborne, like <laughs> you know, uh, Johnny. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Johnny Wilkinson. Johnny Wilkinson. Very proud of a kick like that, like. Uh, but what did everyone think of the episode? Oh, what did everyone here think of the episode? Did uh, just enjoy it? Did you remember? What are your favourites? Yeah, that was. Uh, oh, what, uh, what do you think, Conor? We'll start with you. I liked everything about the episode, apart from Father Jessup. Right. He annoyed me a bit, and I didn't like the way that. Whenever Bishop Brennan got kicked up the arse and Jessup was in the underpants hamper, it was just accepted that he had gone on ahead as Dougal, or as it was, somebody said, Father Jessup's gone on ahead, like he just left yes. Bishop Brennan yeah. there. Was he, Brennan was still in a bit of shock then. Yeah, he, so I think he would have accepted anything at that point. Yeah, I, I'm sure he wasn't actually listening to what anyone was saying at that point, but he was just, no, yeah, worries, worries, yeah. But yeah, I do agree with you that he was a very weak character, but I'm, I'm trying to think if that's, if he was trying to, put that on as, as if that uh, really annoying drone of his was sort of very put upon to make him even more annoying. Uh, oh, what you, Graham? What, uh, what do you think? There was that poll that said it was the favourite, like the fans' favourite episode. They all voted saying best episode of all time. Um, I really don't think so. No, really didn't like it. You didn't like it at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Like I mean, for Father Ted, it's, it's that same thing, like, for Father Ted, even the bad episodes are better than the best episodes of a lot of other things. Yeah. But there's far better than that. Well, <laughs> I, I do I think that, yeah, what you mean? Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't think it was one of the best episodes. Like, even the... I think it's got iconic images. Yeah. yeah. It was a very visual episode, which is why I chose it for Culture Night. Well, it also worked out very well in their sequence. Just even the whole idea of it, all, it is very Potter Yeah, I just don't think it's executed very well. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't. It'll not be a top five contender yeah. for me when we're doing our list. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's one of the worst. I do think it's better than the than the football episode, which I thought was a lot weaker than I remember. Because uh, there was there was genuinely laugh out loud moments. There was great visuals, as we, as we said, 
Um, and again, like yeah. th there was great iconic sort of screenshots if you want. Yeah. Uh, you know the big photograph of Ted seeing himself kick Bishop Brennan off the horse. Purely for the watercolor painting of Bishop Brennan. Well, brilliant. exactly. <laughs> yeah, the watercolor. Uh, there was there were some good lines. There was some good lines. Yeah. Uh, you know, it got nine point one on IMDb, which I think was a bit high considering some of the other ones got less than nine, like some of the earlier ones. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was solid, and it was you know. It, yeah, solid's a good word for it. Yeah, and solid with a couple of memorable kind of moments. Exactly, exactly. Sounds like my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the existence, isn't it? That's <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's the fact that the, it was their only two-parter episode. Uh, you think they would have? Well, they did make a big deal of it. The fact that the, the forfeit was so huge and it was so huge in their universe. Yeah. You know, kick, kicking Bishop Brennan up the arse. Jesus, you can't, you can't fucking do that. But uh, you know, you think they put that at the end of the series or something? Because uh, coming up to the final, the very last episode, I think is a bit is a lot weaker than this, uh, or even stretched across maybe a series. Although they probably didn't know they had another series coming up, they probably didn't know what they were doing. But it seemed like they just sort of planted in the middle of the middle of the series, in the middle of series three. Whereas they could have either put it at the start or put it at the end and made a much bigger deal of it. Like, I think it was a bit like a place, maybe. Yeah, it, it just sort of. It, it sort of blunts what the the impact it could have had maybe having said all that uh yeah got to kick pictures down of the arse and got a big massive picture of it so <laughs> sorry for me uh but we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there and thank everyone in our audience who came down to see us uh, give yourselves a big round of applause uh, and anyone still on facebook live there thank you very much uh, and uh, yes, uh, we've been uh, Ecumenical Matters. You can get the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, Ecumenical Matters. You can go to facebook.com slash Ecumenical Matters. Uh, we've got Graham Harrison. Uh, yes. uh, don't, don't forget to take your pictures away from the walls, by the way. So everyone, everyone gets one. Please do not do that. <laughs> don't forget to see Colin tonight at 7 in the Sunflower Bar, of course. Uh, we have Vincent Kettle, a big round of applause for our for us. And I've been your host, James McInnesby. Uh Thank you very much. And bless you.